Hi, I'm Ethan. I love muzzleloading. Today we have a little bit of a different episode. This past weekend, as you're listening to this, I was asked to be a part of the Kalamazoo Living History Show 2023 interview, lecture, talk program um, at the Kalamazoo Living History Show and, and to give a talk about using some modern or contemporary tools to reach new audiences and spread kind of the good message, really of muzzleloading and living history. I worked on this presentation for a few months before getting out and actually be able to go through it at the Kalamazoo Lifting History Show. It's the kind of presentation, it's the kind of conversation I want to continue to keep having. And I really just see what you're about to listen to as the first step or really the first public release of this conversation. And much of what I'm talking about through this presentation has been sparked by conversations with all of you, uh, especially online and the folks I've been able to interact with, but as well as as folks like uh, being on the T-Rex Arms podcast there last year, really got my brain thinking about how we can reach out to different audiences that might be functioning or, or might be interested in this, but just don't know about what all is out there. I'm Ethan, I love muzzleloading. You'll have to give me a second. Uh, I'm gonna stutter a lot more than if you've seen my videos and things online. I'm used to talking to a camera and the animals and the squirrels and things that are laughing behind me when I'm doing stuff. Um, so I've got a presentation here. I'm gonna reference what we've got on the slides, but like I said, we have st we'll have this online for you to, to go back to. Uh, I'm not gonna be reading off the slides. I have some notes and things here, but we're just gonna kind of keep moving so we stay on time. I'm gonna be speaking in a lot of general terms and things here, encompassing and, and connecting muzzleloading and living history kind of just into one cultural community. I'm gonna use the term culture a lot because I think it's a, a term and a phrase that we're gonna to need to continue to use and I think it makes what we do more important uh, to our cultural identity, where we're at and where we can go. We're gonna talk in kind of four different tiers here. I'm gonna talk about the idea of what I'm talking about the strategy and, and why I think that, and then we'll go into some of the tactics and things that you can take out to your clubs and your businesses, your local groups, and even just people in your area to talk to them about muzzleloading and living history. I'm gonna use muzzleloading a lot. It rolls off the tongue a lot better than living history does for me, but uh, I consider them both inclusive. So what this is all about, and what I, I really wanna focus on and I want you to take home is how we can use what we have access to today that our ancestors, both in a contemporary sense and in a historical sense, never had access to, to use to continue what we're doing. We have a really, we have, we're at a kind of a pinch point or a critical point, I think, for our community and our hobby right now because we have access to a, a broadcast system in our pockets to talk about what we like and what we care about. And what I propose in all of this is using the tools that we have to take charge and make action and get our hands dirty, all of us. Not just, not just me, not just the other people that you watch and you buy from and you listen to, but every one of us has the capability to get active and make something happen. Historically, in my own lifetime, there's been kind of an attitude of someone else is gonna do it and we're gonna count on other people to make that happen and we have and it has worked very well. There are kind of titans in this community that really do a lot of legwork to get this out and reach new people. But we can do so much more, the more of us that get active and the more of us that get involved. I work at this a lot, my wife will tell you, it's kind of a second job for me, but what we're gonna talk about here is coming up with ideas and, and motivations and tactics that you can use with the capacity that you have to do it. Not everybody is into muzzleloading as their primary hobby. There's tons of people out there with other hobbies and other interests. Uh, and what I wanna propose here and what I wanna to talk to you about is how you can do it with the capabilities that you have. 
in thinking about strategy, I'm going to break down and outline kind of historical eras in modern muzzleloading for us to look at in modern history, for us to look at, and so that we can build off of them and how we can use what they did in conjunction what we have access to now to move forward. 1900, we have kind of a, a marker for technology and a marker for industry. We've moved on from muzzleloaders as a primary means of firearms technology. The smokeless era came through, it dominated everything, but we then had the Great Depression, which dynamically shifted the economy and what people could own. So you had, literally had people in Appalachia using great granddaddy's muzzleloader to feed their families through the depression because that's what they could afford. They couldn't afford cartridge arms. They couldn't afford to feed those guns to feed their families. So you have an initial kind of modern resurgence and in interest in muzzleloading. Going into the mid 1900s in kind of muzzleloading culture 2.0, as I'm marking it here, we have the reintroduction of conservation and hunting game programs. You have popular media startup with Fess Parker and Daniel Boone to bring history to a massive audience, more than history class, more than personal history ever could or ever really did. And then in the 70s, you had the bicentennial and everything that led up to it creates such the boom that it did. History and muzzleloading culture 3.0, I mark at the 1990s. We have movies like uh, The Patriot and Last of the Mohicans and then later Master and Commander that really brought a new level of historic accuracy to film. You'll talk to historians and there's still issues with those movies and things, but the reach that they had and the impact they had in exposing people to what history could have looked like got more people interested in all of this than all of the stuff before it all was building. You had people that were interested in these kind of things and they saw The Patriot or they saw Last of the Mohicans and they saw a new level of it. They had no idea it was there before. And then I'm marking muzzleloading and living history culture at 4.0, what we're in now as 2010, and kind of how I see it moving forward here. And really the marker is the internet and the community adopting the internet. The internet has been around for quite a long time, but because I grew up in this era, I grew up with the internet, it wasn't really accepted until we got into the 2010s in large part. The internet brought on these key categories here that I've kind of outlined uh, you have academic and private research merging. You have historians and hobbyists or living historians, amateur archaeologists out in the woods now talking and collaborating about actual information and how that, those tools, how those materials could have been used and how they are used by people today trying to connect with that history. And this leads to just an incredible amount of information. We have access now to libraries and documentation things that just explodes everything else that we thought of before. You could do interlibrary loan, but you could not do it from your lazy boy in your den or in your living room, and now you can. And this just brings an entire influx, like I have here, of information and pushes us another step further. So we have these timelines lined out where we, we're moving forward and we're changing how we're doing all of this. And the internet really changed all of that. The geographic limitations are just about gone when it comes to using the internet and things. You have communities building up uh, with people all over the country and all over the world. I talk regularly with people in Australia and Germany that are interested in this, but they don't have access to the physical community that we have. But they're able to interact with us and experience and be a part of it because of the internet. I just had a message this morning from a guy in Australia that was a pre just wanted to say thank you for talking about and showing photos and things from the show. There's nothing like that in Australia, but he feels like a part of it. He feels like one of us because he can interact with that. 
For the purpose of the talk, we're talking and, and focusing on muzzleloading culture 4.0 and how we can leave a, a foundation for that 5.0, just like our forefathers did in the mid-1900s and the early 1900s and moving forward. So we can respect that and build off of that. 2010, social media started up, but it was also this, the first year that Townsend's took their video concept to the internet. The introduction of this, it took a long time for it to really kick on, but they did two major things here. They exposed the public at large with what we all love and what we all do. They were able to access it from the comfort of their own homes. They didn't have to be out at an event to experience this stuff. So if you didn't live in Kalamazoo, or if you didn't live near to Kalamazoo, or the Feast of the Hunter's Moon, or any of the other large events, you could still interact and participate with what we're doing, just like I'm talking about with this guy in Australia. And then internally, as far as the community goes, it alters our own perception of what we're doing. Because what they do is 24-7, 365. Somebody can interact with history and living history and all of this culture. And so now what I'm proposing is we can, we can shift our mindset to an event-focused mindset like this Kalamazoo event, for instance, and we can interact with people just as we do here all the time and think about how we can use that to our advantage. To do this, I'm talking about what I see as the mindset of Muslim culture 4.0 as we move forward here. All this stuff is really cool at the core. You have the clothing, you have the gear, you have the guns, you have the history, you have the documentation of the stories of our forefathers and ancestors. That's all really cool, but what I see and, and how I interact with people is Newcomers to all of this, they're interested in that, but they don't know where to go. They have a taste, they have a bug, they don't know how to access more of it apart from going to the library or watching Last of the Mohicans. For them, that's, that's the history world. That's all they have access to or they know to look for. This feeling that they get, I'm, I'm calling for the purpose of this presentation, a vibe. There's an interest, there's a feeling that people are looking for. They just don't know where to go. That vibe is a hook. And kind of a personal anecdote that came up as I was working on this presentation, a friend was watching a show uh, of, you know, about zombies. zombies it's, a, it's a science fiction show, but there are several scenes in the show where one of the characters is walking in the woods with a gun. And the, the scene is just calm. It's peaceful. There's golden sun rays coming through the woods and the, and the leaves and everything. There's a deer or something frolicking. He texted me one day. He said, man, I'm watching this show, and I'm just thinking about how cool it would be to walk around in the woods with a gun. Just, just walking, you're not doing anything. Even you can take the gun out of it, it doesn't change anything. And I said, dude, you have no idea how many of us are out there that want you to come walk in the woods with us. Just, let's go outside. Let's go on a walk and just experience this nature. That's the level that I'm talking about here. It's not that somebody has a gun or they have the clothing or they have an interest in history. They're even farther back than that at the very simple core of, man, it would be nice to go outside. And that's, that's what we're talking about here. So these feelings of this vibe that people are looking for, they don't know how to apply it, are all of these things that we love about what we do. And there are many more. This is just a few that I came up with as thinking about this conversation. At the core, you can apply this to any hobby out there, any interest out there. But for the purpose of what we do, these are kind of the big tiers that I see people interested in, but they don't know, they don't know these terms, really. They don't know that they're interested in this and we have to show them, we have to explain these simple ideas so they can, they can get hooked. Jumping a little bit into tactics here, they see these things online. They see photos, they see videos. All of these things that they're seeing are a window into what we do. 
And it's just a matter of time before we get them to open up the window and crawl through. But every opportunity that they see something online is that feeling coming up to them and they have an interest in it. And it's just kind of an itch that they need to start scratching. In thinking about some of these newcomers, I've outlined some of the steps to joining and becoming a part of the community. Again, this can be applied to many things here, but I want us to think about newcomers into this sport and the hobby. Traditionally, we think about that as somebody who has all the clothes, they're a member of a club, they go hunting, and they, they, they're ready to go, and we see them physically at an event or something. What I think is we need to reframe this into an idea of, of people that are watching and observing the community as being a part of this. So we have this passing interest here up at the front. You might have people out there that are just interested in seeing people wearing the clothes, using the equipment, or studying the history. They're just as much a part of the community, even if they're not necessarily as active, as everybody else on this list. But they're gonna go through, anybody who's down here at the bottom, you're gonna start up there at the top, and you're gonna work through these kinds of steps. At each point, at each step in this process, this person is ready and and, and uh, there's an opportunity to grab them and to bring them in deeper and, and to pull them in. Not everybody's going to, but there's an opportunity when you see these kinds of things in people, there's an opportunity to bring them along and show them more. They're interested in it and you can show them. So how do we do that? As I said before, these newcomers have no idea that this stuff is out there. When I show a show, literally people next week in Kalamazoo will say I had no idea this was happening because it's just impossible to reach everybody all at once. There's just too much noise, there's too much going on in the world for us to do that. But as we take this to a more individual level of, of getting active and being a part of this community, each of you can be that vehicle to bring somebody along and expand their knowledge, even just from your home. You know, you don't have to go out and do a whole lot about it. Think about normalizing a little bit of what we do. I mean, everybody gets cockeyed looks when you tell them that you're going to go out camping in 18th century clothes, you're going to camp like it's 1700, or you're going to a muzzleloading match. But every time we share what we're doing and we talk about it and we, again, share like those photos and things or give somebody a magazine or invite somebody to the club, we're normalizing that. Because the number one thing I hear from all the newcomers that are finding me online and, and want to talk to me about this is they thought they're the only one. They thought they're the only one that has burned through multiple copies of their DVDs of Last of the Mohicans and the Patriot, and they have to keep buying more to keep them going. They think they're the only one because they're not able to find us, and we need to work on making it easier to find us. And again, when talking about getting active on the individual level, this comes down to what you feel like you can do. I don't want you to walk away from this and feel like you have to take on a whole burden to keep all this going. This is a collaborative effort within the community to preserve this culture and keep it going. So for what I do and, and how I do it, I think like a newcomer. I'm, I've been involved in muzzleloading. My grandfather went to his first match in 1937. He shot in his first match in 1938. My parents met at a muzzleloading shooting match. And so I grew up in muzzleloading and in living history. Uh, my first gun was a, was a muzzleloader. I shot a 54 caliber bench gun when I was five. Um, so to me, muzzleloading is, it's kind of all I've ever known, but there's so much more involved in it that I'm a newcomer at. And I work to bring people along with me in that newcomer journey. I use internet and, the, and I use the internet and social media as a two-way street. So as much as I am publishing stuff and, and you know, putting out videos and photographs and articles and things, I'm also using the internet and social media to observe what people are talking about. 
What questions do people have? Where are they having trouble? You know, what kind of issues are people facing? And I start thinking about how can I use that? How can I help them through the questions that they're already asking? I know they're looking for an answer here. How can I point them to a reference or to an expert to further you know, route them through uh, those earlier steps that we were talking about? This is a visual representation of what I'm talking about here. So I think about what I would like to do and what I want to learn about. I pair that with the questions and things that I'm observing online. What, are people, what do people want to know about? And then we have this beautiful purple section in here where these overlap, where I have a constant stream of practical ideas that apply not only to my interests, but to the interests of people that are interested and want to learn more about this. They don't know how to go. They don't know where to go. So I want to ask you, and I hope that you think about this on your drive home, no matter how long it is, what is your why? You know, why, do you, why are you involved in this? And, and what do you care about? inside muzzleloading and living history culture. I mean, for some people, it's the types of stitching and the types of clothing that was made. For some people, it's the food. For some people, it's the gardens of the 18th century. You know, there's so many aspects out there and everybody has a different interest in all of this. So don't make it a, a me, me, me show. A lot of people don't know that my name is Ethan. You know, I introduce myself in every video but I don't want it to be a me, me, me show. I want it to be about what I'm doing and the questions that I'm answering. So asking yourself your why and your, what you're interested in is gonna help you do the same for those people that are asking, why am I interested in this? Why am I hearing this call to talk about this? So again, my why is I love muzzleloading. I grew up involved in this and uh, I've seen multiple generations come and go I'm able to connect with my history, my friend's history, my family history in all of this. But I'm also thinking about the future. If I somehow don't do my job and my kids and maybe even their grandkids aren't interested in muzzleloading, I hope that someday my great, great grandkids, if they feel that same thing that people are feeling now, they can go online and they'll be able to see the stuff that I've put out, the stuff that everybody else has put out. And there'll be a foundation for them to learn from and to get involved and become that generation 5.0 in muzzleloading. That's why I'm doing this. So some direct action examples for you to consider, you know, as you're going through and as the weather warms up here and we start getting out and doing more of this. Think about those things that you enjoy doing and think about how you can frame them and share them. Just simple photographs, even on your Facebook friend timeline of just some of the things that you're out doing, just so other people see that. Like, hey, there are still people going outside. That's great, you know, and that encourages people. That normalizes it, like we've been talking about. For a lot of people I'm seeing when I'm, I'm talking about some of these things is people are looking for a community. They're looking for people that they can connect with and bond with. I mean, we all work all the time right now, at least a lot of the people that I work with and I talk with, you can work all the time. So we're always looking for some way to decompress. And there's no better way to decompress than connect with your local area and the community in your area and then history itself to see what came before and, and really frame how you live your life today. So no matter what you're interested in, in muzzleloading and living history, anything involved in this culture, there's some aspect of this that you can boil it down to its simplest form that somebody's looking for. They're looking for one of these headers and many more of them. And we can help show them that this is a great opportunity for them to, have, to fill that need that they're looking for. 
something I harp on all the time, and it, it, if it's one of the things that you take home and remember, is interview your friends. Interview the people that got you interested in all of this and have helped you along the way. There's untold numbers of, of great mentors and friends out there that have passed, and their stories are, are just told orally now, which is great. We need to preserve that and keep those stories going. But if you have a club or a group and there are people in it, I guarantee you they have something fun to share about it. Asking the simple question of how they got into muzzleloading and living history is invaluable to newcomers to listen to. Because no matter the period in which you got into muzzleloading and living history, no matter that year, the same things that got you interested in it are getting people interested in it today. And by sharing that, we're normalizing that. And they don't feel like the only one again. They feel a connection. And when they hear that from you and your friends, they, they make that connection. And they're, it makes them feel so much more than they ever did as far as just a person in general. I know it sounds a little woo-woo, a little silly, but I'm serious. Like there's a connection there that you're able to make with people when you're sharing those beginning steps. And it's crucial. So document, document, document. Preserve those friends' stories, archive them so other people can hear them and see them. And you really have an opportunity to make sure that you, know, you have a legacy and your friends have a legacy and you're a part of continuing this community with this. The other aspect is, is the one I've talked about here earlier is ask the questions that a newcomer may have. You know, there are a lot of things that are involved with, and a lot of complicated things that are involved with uh, getting started in this. And being a welcoming person to help guide somebody along the way is super important and super valuable. And you create a bond with somebody when you help them. I'm, I'm sure that all of you have helped somebody along the way, but you create a, a connection there and a touch point, they're gonna come back to you for more questions. And you're gonna be able to continue to bring them along and bring other people along by making those kind of interactions special. How are we doing on time? Okay, we're not doing too bad, okay. How are you feeling? Is it too much? Yeah. Which Australia does not have. Yes. So those people are like basically out in the cold and yep. able to you know, do these things. Yes. So we're blessed in that regard to having that. But to me, I blame the news media. You know, they should be here. You should be being interviewed by Channel Whatever from Vincennes. And I'm not from Vincennes. Right. From, from we're going to touch on this a little bit. Yes. And then the other thing is that we've got our 250th anniversary coming up yep. as a country yeah. in 2026. So to me, it would be magazines like yours and other magazines and other types of historical groups to create um, a fervor for the 250th anniversary of our independence. Yeah. We're going to touch on that a little bit here. I, I like where your head's at because I want to, I want to put that back on you a little bit that you have the ability to go out and start pushing back on, how, on what you're feeling and what you're talking about. So we're getting kind of into the tactics things and some of the things that you can take home here. Uh, this is gonna be a broad overview of some of the tools you have access to. Again, I'm more than happy to talk about them more. If you have any specific questions, some of the other folks that are talking this weekend are gonna go into more detail. So this is just kind of an overview. I use Instagram super heavily. It's really, a key point for us as a culture and as a community moving forward. Everybody thinks of social media and things as a, a younger demographic, but Instagram is kind of one of the younger, hipper, 
social media platforms right now is active whether you're 18 to 60 years old. It's super, super active, which is really wonderful. And it's an, it's an audience that wants to get involved. They want to get out and do things. They want to get dirty. They want to figure this stuff out. YouTube, you have a massive audience. I mean, I think more people watch YouTube than watch the news, just in general. I, I imagine the people I've talked to here and my own father, who's in his early 60s, watches more YouTube than every, anything else because you can find anything you want out there. The pioneers in this space really laid the groundwork. Uh, Townsend has done a lot of legwork. They've done a lot of almost social programming, really, to expose people and get them interested in what we do. And we can work uh, not even having a conversation, you don't have to even know Townsend's or, or, or meet up with them, but just by the nature of how this works, because they expose people to the 18th century, YouTube knows that they're interested in that kind of thing. And so when you publish something about the 18th century or muzzleloading or living history, they, YouTube is going to connect, okay, Townsend's, more 18th century, more living history, more muzzleloading. And it's going to show those people that stuff because they've already been hooked on Townsend's or they watch Townsend's even occasionally. And on YouTube, you have the ability to get a monetary return, which is something different than all the other social media platforms. But I will say it's not a lot. Uh, to be very frank with you, I make about $300 a month on YouTube, which I use to go for hotels and gas to go to events. It doesn't, it doesn't pay for the time. That's not what it's about. It's about being active and being a part of this. Facebook is really important. Um, the business and, uh, and personal page growth has really been stunted because they, Facebook's business is selling ads and selling your data to ad companies that want to sell you stuff. Um, so if you want to promote your business when it comes to Facebook, that gets really tough. But the Facebook groups are really the game changer here. They've, it's not good. They've monopolized what was the internet forum space, but it still exists there. And being active and being a part of those communities are super important. I'm involved in living history and, and uh, muzzleloading groups that go down to specific regions and specific decades of study. And you can do that, just like you used to with all the forums. And many of those forums are still out there. So it, it helps to check in on those forums and, and be active in them as well. I get a asked a lot about alternative tech sites. Uh, I totally understand where everybody's coming from. But for large-scale reach, it's difficult right now. Um, the other platforms that are out there just aren't really there yet. They're really kind of monopolized in stuff that I, I don't personally get involved with myself. Um, I think at some point there's going to be some of these alternative platforms that aren't controlled in Silicon Valley um, come up that are going to be worth trying, but right now it's a little back and forth. If you're interested in these, I really recommend Utreon. It's a place where a lot of historians and historic firearms documentation, documentators or his, just historians in general are going because they have private funding and they, have, they own what they do. They're not beholden to shareholders that can move in and out and be influenced by outside parties. Um, they do have a dedication to their mission and they are very pro-history, pro-firearms usage, um, which just, it's not everything that's about muzzleloading and living history. There's so much more apart from the guns and things, but we do get lumped in uh, just in popular culture together. So I think it's important for us to consider that as we move forward. Um, there's Rumble and Odyssey as well, but um, really like I have mentioned here, using these in conjunction with kind of the mainline platforms that are out there is gonna be the only way to move forward right now. In five years, this could be totally different. It could be a totally different space. This is just where we're at now. 
This is some more for, uh, you know, some of the homework and things for you to consider when you uh, maybe look at this a little bit later. I have some uh, practical application here and some clubs and some groups that are using this. And I encourage you to go out and look at these different groups and these different people to see how they're using it with their capabilities and, how, and, and apply that. Copy what they're doing because these people are all copying everybody else and it's working. And this is the kind of thing that we all need to be doing and what I'm talking about here. Find what you can do in your capacity in your day-to-day -day life to be a part of this and you're going to be able to move it forward. Like in any hobby, you know, it's easy to go down these halls and buy a bunch of stuff, but it, it pays to do your research first, to understand what you're getting into. Um, so I have a few lists in here of, of some of the things that you can use, as well as what I use. Um, really, the modern smartphone's incredible. If you have the capacity and all you can do is have an Instagram page that's just about your treks or your area of study or your muzzleloaders, that's fine. The modern smartphone takes beautiful photographs. Now, you know, look up some stuff on composition and things and post them, share them. Use the muzzleloading and living history hashtags out there so the community can find you and you'll be enveloped into them and you're going to see this ball rolling. If you want to get into video and audio side of things, the modern smartphone camera, again, is perfect for video. As long as you have a tripod, you're good. Audio is the big thing. Um, you can watch a video that's low resolution and you're going to be fine if the audio is good. But if there's wind coming into that microphone, you cannot change the video faster. It's irritating. You can't hear what they're saying. So if you're going to buy anything, if you're serious about this, I have a couple microphones up here. You clip them to your lapel like I'm wearing here. So it just picks up the audio that's right here coming out of my mouth. And then it's going to make it easier for people to listen to and just further engage with what they're doing. Find something that works for you first. This is kind of a, a multi-year process if you want to think about it that way. Take this year with your events and try some things. Just get experimental, get weird with it. Do something different. Go out a little bit out of your comfort zone and just try it. So this is kind of what we've talked about a little bit here. Um, there are op obstacles to overcome for the community. No matter where you're at, I don't, I don't talk about politics, but wherever you're at here in the community and wherever you line up, there are obstacles because of interpretations from the outside, you know, trying to define who we are and what we are. And, and that's something that we have to work for. And, that, and that's something we have, to work, uh, we have to work on. The different platforms and things, right now Instagram is, is going through and limiting the reach of guns and that is overlapping with muzzleloaders because to them it's, it's all the same regardless of the federal def definitions. A lot of this conversation comes from talking with modern firearms enthusiasts about muzzleloaders. So that's why I reference that community to go alongside with what we're talking about because we get, we get combined whether we like it or not. And so those are the kind of things that we need to think about and, and why I, I put this and I wanted this talk to be about what you all can do and how I can help you do all of this because the more we normalize it and the more we publish it, the more we can start to sway and change public opinion about this. The, the perception of, of a muzzleloader or a living historian can be defined. But if I go out and I talk about why I care about it and why I love it, and the history that I have in it, and the history that I want everybody to be able to have in it, you, you can't stop that. That's not a, a concept or, or an idea that you can, you can censor. It's, it's passion. I can go into work where I work with people from all over the world. When, and it, another anecdote here, I, I, um, some folks at work found out about my YouTube channel. I don't talk about it a whole lot. I keep it kind of private. The one guy was from India, and he said, man, this is really neat, but, you know, 
I don't have any of this. And I said, yes, you do. India has its own branch of firearms and muzzleloading technology. Here, check this out. And it opened up a whole new world for him that he didn't know was there. But you're able to access, and now he is looking at muzzleloader kits, not, not the, you know, his cultural heritage muzzleloader kits, but the kits that are here. Because it's something that he's an engineer, and he's like, man, how, do these, how does this work? And how are they doing this 200 years ago in a cabin with a candlelight? And like, it's, it's those kind of concepts that we can propose to people and show them that totally redefine what they've been told or, or how they've been influenced to think about who we are and what we do. But by publishing this stuff, we push back and we change the, how the culture thinks about us. So that's why I've used the term culture so much, because this is a culture. To me, this is American culture. It's my family culture. I hold on to those family guns because that's what fed my family so that I could be here today. And everybody has that. And if we connect people to that, that's it. You can't fight that. You, 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 just, you just can't fight that. And so that's how I look at it. I look at it as, if, as much as I can to publish this stuff and get it out there. I mean, the nightly news, however you want to think about it, whoever's pushing up against what we're doing, they can't fight that. Because I'm just a guy that loves this. That's the only motive I have. I just love it. And we need to make sure that my kids and my great-grandkids can enjoy it the same way I have. So that's a little bit of a tangent, I'm sorry. That really wasn't, that was kind of ad-lib, but that's, that's kind of where we're at uh, as far as my presentation goes. In addition to the presentation, we had the opportunity to do a short Q&A session at the end of both presentations. I've included that as a separate episode. So if it's the kind of thing that you have some questions about this, or you're interested in some of the questions that this presentation sparked, you can check out that episode for the fully, just about unedited Q&A session. I pulled a couple things that were just a little more uh, personal information side for me, just for my own privacy concerns there. But you can catch that fully, pretty much unedited Q&A uh, in the episode that should be out by the time that you finish listening to this if you're listening to it on its release day. I'd like to thank the Kalamazoo Living History Show and Yankee Doodle Muzzleloaders Incorporated for asking me to be one of the guest speakers at this year's event. It's This is the the Kalamazoo Living History Show is has been a part of my family muzzleloading history really for 10 or 15 years now and it was really um, kind of a, a role reversal for me to be, to go from being a little kid running around the show floor uh, to being one of the people giving a talk in, the, in a presentation. So I uh, really appreciate you and I appreciate you listening and I appreciate all the folks that, that came out to the talk and came out to the show uh, to meet up and talk a little bit about muzzleloading. It was truly a, a wonderful show for me and uh, and I hope it was for all of you as well. If you have questions about this presentation or have some thoughts, feel free to drop me an email at ilovemuzzleloading at gmail.com. Like I said, this is the kind of presentation that I think is going to continue to evolve for from me at least. And I need your help and, and your contributions and your thoughts on that to make this more usable and more functional for the community going forward. Again, just as everything that I do, this is just kind of one point of view. Um, and I encourage you all to, to work through your own points of view and your own topics of conversation in this vein if you're the kind of person that wants to see this continue. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.